Hello, what's going on? This is Doug Cunnington, and welcome to The Doug Show. In this episode, I'm going to talk about some of the uh, back-end stuff for my business. So Nathan sent in a question about like my processes and my procedures and filing system and how I keep track of income and expenses and all the different moving parts. So I will talk about that. And uh, before I do, I just want to point out that if you're new to the podcast, thanks a lot for listening. I highly encourage you to check out nichesiteproject.com. Click the green button. You can sign up for the email list. I send you like all my templates and processes and procedures and, and a lot of details out there. Funny enough, I don't mention anything about these backend systems because frankly, it's a little boring and, you know, I'm no expert in it. I can tell you, you know, and I will tell you about some of the things that I, I've done and what I do now. But um, yeah, I'm not uh, like an accountant or bookkeeping expert by any means. So check out nichesiteproject.com. A lot of helpful resources, and uh, maybe you'll have some time when you get to the office. Uh, actually, maybe you're at the office now, but a lot of times people listen while they're commuting in their car. Uh, maybe you're at the gym or you're doing some stuff around the house. I actually listen to a lot of podcasts as I'm doing, like you know, some housework or um, you know, vacuuming stuff like that. So you could be at a spot right now where you can't check it out, but just remember nichesiteproject.com. So. Before we get into the meat of the episode, I am not in my normal recording studio today, which is actually just my closet. I'm in my niece's uh, bedroom. So she's at school today and I'm visiting family in Pennsylvania, which is is pretty nice here, you know, kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's quiet, very quiet, but I'm in this room, which is huge. And my niece is like four. So this room's huge. There's toys everywhere. There's toys all over the floor. There seems to be a little tent over there. I think she has a queen size bed. So yeah, it's a little crazy in here, but it's very quiet in this room and uh, a little behind the scenes action. You know, I have some other family here as well, um, but I've tried to record this like three times. Uh, you know, I messed up a couple of times. My dad walked in to ask me a question and uh, yeah, we'll see if we can we can get this rolling. Third time is a charm. And funny thing with Pennsylvania um, is the alcohol and beer laws. So I didn't read too much, but whenever I go traveling and and visiting uh, family or, or whatever, whenever I'm in a new town, I try and, you know, get some local beers, see what's going on. Um, When I'm in another region, like I am, you know, right now in Pennsylvania, there's just like tons of breweries where, you know, they don't make it to the Colorado front range. And, you know, maybe I've had them in the past, but it's pretty cool to get like different beers. So again, I don't know all the, all the laws around here, but they do have beer and uh, I guess other alcohol at the grocery store, which is a convenient place to get beer, you know, because you're going grocery shopping, but you cannot um, buy beer at the same register that you're buying food. And like I said, I didn't do research on this. I just, this is how I ended up buying the beer. Um, so people from Pennsylvania, you could send me an email feedback at doug.show. Let me know the actual laws or what you got to do. But basically they had, uh, a pretty good beer selection at the grocery store. Um, but I had to buy it at the, 
I guess like the deli counter where you buy like sandwiches and hot food and stuff like that. And you could only buy, I think it was like 148 or 192 ounces of beer. So I went to the register. I was going to get a 12 pack, a six pack and another four pack. And, um, I didn't do the math and actually I didn't, I didn't know that there was that, um, per ounce limit for like, uh, transactions. Right. So I could buy 192 ounces and, um, I could buy the 12 pack, but then I couldn't get anything else on top of that. So maybe that's, uh, I didn't do the math. <laughs> I didn't do the math either. So anyway, she, uh, she said, okay, you, you, can't buy any more alcohol in this transaction. But if you take this, um, like off site, like put in your car or whatever, then, um, you could buy more beer and they like get your license and look at it and they scan it. So I was a little confused cause I literally like got the beer, took it to the cart, um, around the corner and then came back and bought more beer. So they're not really enforcing anything. I mean, I could what seems like I could buy as much beer as I want, even though they know exactly what I just purchased. Um, by the way, for the people that care, um, I bought, um, it was, oh shoot, what's the name of the brewery? It is Trogues, right? So I visited this brewery, I think it's in Hershey. Really good food, excellent beer, really great um, tap house and brewery there. Um, so I got uh, the triple from Trogues. So that's like caged in corked. Um, Belgian triple. I got their sampler pack, which is really nice. They have um, a Doppelbach, which is called the Troganator, also very good. Um, it's sort of the like November time frame when I'm recording this, so a nice uh, dark Doppelbach was hitting the spot, really good. And then um, a very local brewery around here. Um, they had like a New England IPA forget the name of the brewery, something uh, with tracks, some kind of railroad or something like that. But they had a New England IPA that my brother-in-law recommended. So got that. Anyway, alcohol laws are very weird. And people out there, you may be thinking, oh, that's totally bananas. And, and what I've found, I've lived in, in Georgia, I've lived in Montana, Colorado, visited um, all 50 states. And there are some weird laws out there. So for many, many, many years in Georgia, you couldn't buy alcohol on Sundays. Kind of strange. And I think even currently you can't get alcohol at a restaurant after, or sorry, you can't get alcohol before 1230 PM on Sundays. Kind of strange. Um, it's not like I'm, I'm thinking, Hey, I really want to go get some breakfast and a bunch of alcohol. But it's kind of strange because some people do get mimosas or have a beer when they're watching, you know, football games or something like that on a Sunday. So some other weird laws in Montana at a brewery, you can only get 48 ounces per day and they give you a little card and they keep track of like how many pints you get and breweries close at 8 p.m. So you kind of, you can only have three beers and they close at 8 p.m. Yet you can go to other restaurants or bars or whatever and keep drinking until the middle of the night. And um, very strange laws, but it's all driven by money and politics. And you have distributors, you have bars, you have breweries. Everyone um, in every state seems to have like a different power structure and what they're trying to do. Anyway, we're getting deep into alcohol politics 
um, which is not the topic of today. So let's get to um, this back-end business processes and all that stuff that uh, Nathan asked about. So when I first started my very first site, I was just doing it on the side. I you know, paid for hosting, the domain name, and a couple other details like that straight from my you know personal credit card or checking account. I, I don't remember which one, probably credit card. I use credit cards a lot since a lot of times you end up you know, earning points just from normal usage. So I typically use credit cards and, um, you know, I didn't think much of it as far as, um, like how to structure things. Right. It was just enough for me to like start the website and, and worry about all the details there further. I wasn't thinking, Hey, when I start making money, I really need to pay close attention to that for taxes and blah, blah, blah. Um, so when I got paid, I think I got paid out directly to my personal PayPal account or um, a check written directly to me. So I didn't have a business or anything like that. In fact, I didn't start my my company until I think it was like 2016 or something like that. So I had been working online for three plus years, earning a pretty significant amount of money and um, I had no business, right? So that is one thing that I, I guess I'm sort of, I'm glad that I didn't worry about all the details because I mean, I'm a, I'm a planner. Um, I like to try and structure things properly at the beginning. But one thing that I realized is like, there's a lot of details that I like just don't understand. And it was more important for me to like get started with the website, get started doing the actual work to make money. Like, there's no, there's no real point in me trying to like figure out how to structure um, a company for growth or where I think it could go before I've made like one dime, you know? So I, I was like, you know, I'm not going to worry about any of this stuff. Um, even like, even like, um, well, well, we'll get to some of those details, but um, yeah, I was just like, I'm going to start the site. I'm going to get things going and then we'll figure it out later when it's really, you know, beneficial to figure out how to solve these problems. There's no need for me to solve the problems before I actually hit them. With that in mind, I did realize one thing that would make things uh, much easier. And that is to have like a separate bank account and a separate credit card. Now, the cool thing is um, just I had a credit card that I rarely used. So I wasn't using it very much. And um, I started using it solely for business purposes, even though it was just a personal credit card that I, now that I'm thinking about it, I got that account in college. So, or I started that account in college. So, I mean, it's just a credit card that I used a bunch for years. It was just sitting there unused for a while. And then I knew that it would be much easier to do any sort of uh, accounting work and bookkeeping if the account was separate. Similar, right? I also had a um, very sparsely used uh, savings account. I can't remember if it was savings or checking, but I had, I think it, maybe it was a savings account um, where I can create like sub accounts. So I just put the money um, that I was earning into a separate account. So it's not impossible to, you know, use your own personal account and your own personal credit card 
that you are using for other things. But the issue is you have to go line by line for every line item, every transaction, and separate it as personal or business, which just takes some time. Now, it's not hard to do. It's pretty mindless, but it just takes some time. It's tedious and it's easy to make a mistake like that. But if you have like a separate account, super easy. So if that's the only tip that you get from this episode, that will save you a lot of time. Um, Like I said, it's very easy to make a mistake if you're looking like line by line and manually assigning like personal or business type expense or income. Separate accounts makes it super easy. You probably know it's, uh, it is very easy to get a credit card or open an account or whatever. And a lot of times you'll get like a promo. So for example, I know, I think I have like a Chase account and some other accounts out there actually, but, um, you usually can open an account and get some sort of a, uh, you know, $200 bonus after six months or $300. So look out for deals like that. And for like credit cards, you almost always um, can find a pretty decent like point system. Now, I don't recommend you like go in debt or like don't pay off your credit card fully every single month. Um, That's just no way to run a business. But basically, if you're using the credit card anyway, you'll end up earning points for whatever, whatever you want to do with it. Um, and every, every credit card company does it differently. I'm no expert in it, but I'm just like earning points. And I think the last few vacations that we've, we've gone on, I, we haven't like paid anything out of our pocket. We're like, Oh, we have whatever thousand dollars in credit card points. So we'll just do whatever we're going to do and then use the credit card points. Yeah. You can redeem them in different capacities or whatever, but I don't have a strong interest in doing that, jumping through those hoops. So we just do what we're going to do and then just use the credit card points. So little tip there. And I don't know, usually it's like 1% or one and a half or something like that. If your company is running, if your credit card company is running some kind of promo, you may earn like extra points when you buy gas or groceries or something like that. So, so far we have uh the tip of like using separate accounts. So moving, moving forward, I'll just explain um, a a little bit about like the different areas of my business because it's fairly complex, you know, compared to like what it was at the beginning. So I have my affiliate marketing um, like side of the business. So these are niche sites. Typically they're earning from Amazon associates and potentially from like Amazon Associates UK, um, other programs out there. Canada is another big one for me. And of course the US makes up the majority of the earnings for that side of the business, roughly half the business, something like that. Maybe a little bit more um, depending on, you know, what's going on and what month it is and all that kind of thing. But roughly half the business, Amazon Associate. Then there's another piece of the business which falls into a few different areas. So you have like niche site project and then the umbrella of niche site project has a couple courses. It has um, like affiliate sales of its own. Those are like products that I recommend or hosting companies that I recommend that sort of thing and um, non Amazon affiliate. So 
just affiliate offers out there. And then there's like the podcast and YouTube. So there are, there's income and there's expenses for every single like little piece there. And um, like I said, it makes it much easier to just have these separate accounts. Now, once I formed the business in, like I said, uh, 2016, 2017, something like that, I, um, I, I was like, okay, now, now that I have a business, I can get my like tax, um, like my business tax number. So this, the EIN. And with that, you can open accounts like business accounts with, you know, credit card companies, banks, and whatever. At that point, you know, you, you have the business, you got money coming in, you have money going out. So as far as bookkeeping, I use a, an app called wave. Uh, it's free back when I first got started and I was making some money, my wife was like, Oh, how can I help? Like, what can I do? So she helped in various areas. And one of them was the bookkeeping. So she researched like different different apps to use and in different ways to like keep track of the bookkeeping, which it honestly can be as simple as like using spreadsheets. So spreadsheets still make up um, a decent portion of like how I'm managing things. And I do my own bookkeeping. You can pay people to do bookkeeping and it's a fairly straightforward exercise. Um, they probably, you know, know how to use like other pieces of software, but I'll just mention waves free, at least the the portion that I use, and it does the job. There are a lot of other apps out there, I think like FreshBooks and Zero, and like it it's a commodity, right? You can just find one. Generally, they're all gonna work pretty well. They're all gonna work like close to the same and um they're not gonna be super expensive. I'm I'm still using Wave because it was free, you know, when my wife found it and that was a good a good option, you know, at the time. And um, I'm still using it because I have all my data in there and it's just, I've learned how to use it and it, it's been improved and, um, you know, there have been some upgrades over time. So Wave is fine for a free option and, um, you know, it, it's, it's, um, there's, there's a lot of interfaces, right? So you can interface with different uh, banks and your credit card company and PayPal and blah, 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 right? So most all of the apps out there for bookkeeping are going to hook up and just pull data in, right? So it makes it much easier to manage uh, like what's going on. Now, you may be thinking, Doug, you're making so much money. Why are you doing your own bookkeeping? So one reason is going through your income and expenses every single month really keeps you like connected on where you're spending money. And I, I do that bookkeeping monthly. Number one, cause my, my wife is, a she's like on top of it. She wants it done monthly. And I, she got into that habit. I got into the habit and it doesn't take as long um, as it used to. Right. So I'm pretty good at it. Pretty efficient at this point. Now, technically, right if you're working for yourself um, or you're making enough money, you'll, you'll be paying quarterly taxes, right? So technically I don't have to do the bookkeeping every single month. I could do it quarterly. However, you, um, you don't have a good handle on like the P and L numbers and, and 
what's going on in your business if you're doing it quarterly. So there's a, there's a few reasons and like it, it keeps me like really at a point where I understand expenses. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. Totally up to you if you want to do your own bookkeeping or not. And, um, you know, at the point where you hire someone to do the bookkeeping, you would maybe just get the numbers at the end of the, at the end of the month or the end of the quarter, however often you're having that done. And then, um, you'd have to go back and look at, you know, all of the spreadsheets and all the transactions and blah, blah, blah. At that point, you know, it's a little overwhelming. You may kind of like lose track on like what areas are spending a lot and areas where maybe you're making more money than you expected. So anyway, it keeps me like close to the details, which I enjoy. And as I've like gotten better and the tools have gotten better, um, the bookkeeping, it takes me like one hour per month something like that. It doesn't take very long. I pull a CSV from uh, PayPal for all the transactions there of which, you know, for me is a lot. So I do my payment processing through PayPal. So people that are in my course or buy something from me, it's through PayPal. So there are typically, you know, hundreds of transactions in PayPal each month. Pretty easy for me to, you know, group them together and then identify them and and place them in the right bucket, um, you know, really quick. Like I said, only about an hour per month. It it really doesn't take that much time. And as I'm thinking about it, if I got a report from uh, a bookkeeper each month, it would, I imagine it would take me an hour to kind of go through the details anyway, but I'm doing it myself. So I'm processing it all at the same time. You can imagine after I've done done this many, many times, I am pretty quick at it. In Nathan's question, he asked about, you know, working with other affiliate partners and, you know, understanding like the reporting on that end. So like affiliate solutions are pretty, pretty crappy. Um, Some of them are okay, but what happens is, you know, companies work through different affiliate systems. So I have a couple affiliate of affiliates for, my courses. And, um, I use a WordPress plugin called, I think it's like affiliate WP or WP affiliate. And, um, it mostly works fine, but, um, you know, just me, I'm using that. And then I know some of my, some of my affiliate offers out there, they may manage it through a similar tool that, you know, they are the, you know, tech person for it. So it's a WordPress plugin or something. Some other companies are out there, share a sale. Um, well, now I can't think of others. I can't think of the names, but there are several other like affiliate marketplaces out there and management systems. I think Zaxa is one of them. And when it comes down to it, it's actually a little hard to keep track of because there are so many. Oh, I have a couple of, uh, some of the offers are through like Teachable or, um, you know, other learning platforms like that. And they have their in-house affiliate programs. So the bigger companies like Teachable, those are those are pretty solid, right? Like I could log in, dashboard's very clear. There's not too many like settings. It's all managed by a huge team. Um, those work really well. But now that I'm thinking about it, there's probably 10 different affiliate programs that I work with and get paid from on a regular basis. 
every single hosting company seems to be using like a different affiliate management system, usually in-house. So at that point, I just kind of, um, you know, trust that everyone's operating honestly and, um, you know, no weird things are happening in the software. I know when I have affiliates helping me out and selling, I, I've actually had some, some trouble with the software. So I ended up pulling the reports, but I also like look things up manually and have found like one or two like mistakes where my affiliates were not going to get paid via the system. So I let them know, Hey, for whatever reason, the software missed crediting you and, um, you know, here's the extra and here's the transaction that, that was missed. And I'm, staying on top of it. So I think that gives, you know, the, those affiliates that are working with me confidence that I am on top of it. And that I just don't, uh, you know, accept what the software is putting out. And there was an incident recently where I'm an affiliate for a product and there were, there were, I think there were about 10 or 12 payouts that they owed me, but it was like, it was being missed. And I'm, we don't know why, but, um, Basically, you know, I knew the person well. I've known this this guy for years, and I was like, "Hey, just have a look at the reports, and um, you know, let me know what you think." It looks like you owe me some money, and um, he was like, "Hey, sorry about the delay," and he just paid me. So, Nathan, this is definitely an area where it gets a little fuzzy because um, you kind of have to keep track of it. Now, it's easy enough to manage by you know keeping a list of the affiliate companies that you need to um you know check up on or affiliate marketplaces or whatever it is and just you know once a quarter something like that have a quick look at the integrated dashboard so every one of the tools even the wordpress affiliate plugin that i use there's a pretty nice dashboard with uh, reporting and you can see you know how many uh prospects and leads you sent to the affiliate offer, how many purchased and your affiliate payout and all those details. So it would be as simple as, you know, periodically setting a reminder, going to check all those um, affiliate offers out there, and then uh, making sure that you're being paid. Now, I'm typically paid through PayPal or a direct deposit. So it's pretty straightforward. Like whenever I get paid, I just see it in my normal income reporting. And that's totally fine. As far as any affiliate payouts that I do, again, I'm paying out from PayPal. So it just shows up as an expense over on the PayPal side, which comes um, into the Wave software via, you know, the report from PayPal. So very straightforward. I don't have to, you know, keep too close of uh, an eye on that stuff. I just get paid and, you know, that works out well. Um, Let's see if there's any other details. Um, as far as like filing system or anything like that, you know, I just, I use Google docs primarily, um, and throw everything into like different buckets, but you know, Google's a good search engine. So if I ever need to find anything, I could just like search for whatever I'm looking for there. Um, further for any of the accounting, um, stuff that I need to, you know, pull reports for. PayPal has all those transactions logged. Um, I can pull reports, fairly sophisticated reports for, um, you know, any of the like credit card or checking or savings accounts or anything like that. Same deal. Like all the transactions are, are very closely like tracked. So very easy to filter on a specific set of dates, 
um, run other searches and then pull the reports however I need them, which typically is going to be a CSV because then I can manipulate the data in a spreadsheet or import that data into, you know, Wave or whatever I need to do. Like I said, Wave or other bookkeeping software, they're going to integrate with um, the financial companies. So you typically are not going to have to import anything unless there's some kind of weird situation going on. So I think that covers like the the main things that I do. When I formed the company, I realized that the taxes are getting a little bit more complicated. When you form the company, you get a little bit of an advantage, at least here in the US, and I think other countries are going to be similar in that I save a little bit of money on like uh, payroll taxes. And my terminology may be a little bit off for, frankly, this whole discussion here, but basically for um, some of the payroll stuff, I save a little bit of money by forming the company. The cost is that I also have to pay some payroll taxes through the company, um, which I technically could do myself, but as soon as I was going to have to like file business taxes and my personal taxes and all that stuff, I was like, okay, at least for this year, like I don't know what to do and I think I understand how to do this, but I'm just not sure because there was a blend of like sole proprietorship, um, which is how I classified the business up until when I formed the company. And then after that, it was, you know, corporation or LLC or whatever business you end up forming, right? Check with your state. That's usually who you form the business with, as far as I know. Um, And then after that, that, that's how the taxes are paid and all the payroll taxes. So anyway, I hired um, an accountant to do my taxes for me and to do the quarterly um, like tax payments and payroll. And by the way, before I hired the accountant, I was paying quarterly taxes because of the amount of income that I was earning. So I, I needed to pay ahead and I was self-employed, right? So even though it was a sole proprietorship, I had to pay quarterly taxes. Now, Yeah, again, check with an accountant, but um, if you don't pay quarterly taxes, you may have to pay some penalties, which may or may not be significant in in my little situation. Like I knew that if I accidentally underpaid a little bit, um, it probably was going to be, you know, a couple hundred dollars max of a penalty. So not a huge issue there um, if I underpaid a little bit. So yeah, check with an accountant and um, yeah, so I have an accountant company or an accounting company working with me. Someone um, could do my bookkeeping there, but I wanted to hang on to that. They do my taxes for me. And um, like when I moved from Montana to Colorado, they, you know, helped me set up the unemployment taxes and other things that I needed to do in Colorado. So they, they set it up in Montana um, when I first got rolling. They moved. Um, they moved things over to Colorado, so the accountants know like the right forms to use, and you know the contact folks and things to set up. You can figure it out yourself. And for a little while, actually, even when I moved to Colorado, I tried to set up some of the like business structures that I needed and transfer the company and blah, blah, blah. But 
I ended up making some mistakes. Even honestly, after I talked to a lawyer, they fucked it up too um, and gave me some bad advice. So um, yeah, there's a lot. And you know, the sad part is they were, they were a, uh, it was a lawyer who did specialize in like business structures and legal entities and stuff like that. And um, I guess I brought him something that was a little bit different that he hadn't done before. So I used the wrong form a couple of times and that ended up costing me a hundred, you know, a couple few hundred dollars to like um, retract um, the, the like forms that I submitted and then submit new ones. So anyway, consult a professional. If, if you know one, pay some money and, um, you know, get that expert advice. Hopefully you can get like a personal recommendation from someone that has like done this sort of, uh, you know, work before so that you don't end up in that situation that I just described. We'll start winding down here. So number one tip is to have separate accounts and, I think like a separate checking account and a separate credit card account would be super, super helpful. I think when you're just starting out, just having like a separate credit card um, will help you like identify the transactions um, for personal and business a little bit uh, more easily. And that is very easy to do. Just get a new credit card and, um, you know, there's a good chance when you're first starting, you're going to have expenses, but no income. So you could wait just a bit before you set up your new checking account, but that should be, you know, fairly straightforward. Um, and probably you're not going to have a ton of transactions on your personal account as you're starting to earn. So, um, maybe wait until you, you know, you earn like 500 bucks or something, then you can, um, you know, deposit that money into your new checking account, which, you know, it may not be technically a business account, but that's okay. I mean, if, if you're not earning a huge amount of money yet, there's no point in setting up a company yet. And that is uh, maybe the second point is don't worry about like, all right, I need to form a corporation. And, you know, when I got started, I remember just people talking about, hey, I got to form, I got to form the company. Um, I got to figure out the company name. I have to make sure it's not an existing company that's trademarked or any kind of, you know, um, I guess like uh, like copyright violation or anything like that where you're taking some other name that you shouldn't. And then you're trying to set up all these business structures when you haven't even earned any money yet. So just pump the brakes a little bit and you can you can figure out how to solve those problems when it'll actually be like, a benefit to you. So I, like I said, I didn't form my company until I was like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm making, I'm making uh, enough and I'm going to be making more and more. Um, things are growing significantly and I can see that I'm paying, you know, whatever, 6% more in taxes than I need to because of the way my sole proprietorship is like structured currently. So once it was an apparent um, problem, I was like, okay, let's solve that problem. So don't get ahead of yourself. And, um, you know, otherwise this is really similar to other approaches that I've mentioned before. Keep things simple. If you can, if you can run things with a spreadsheet, do that for as long as you can. And, um, you can make it more complicated later. So the spreadsheet system is what my wife did when she was first started the bookkeeping before she 
moved over to the wave app and um basically it's you know the easiest thing to do is like pull csv reports from all of the you know income and expense accounts that exist out there put them into one spreadsheet and then you can classify them however you need to and then you know manipulate the data filter things so that you know how much you earn that month and it's very easy to see you know how much you spent that month so a spreadsheet is like the simplest solution um it's not necessarily like hard or difficult to set up one of the bookkeeping applications, but it is an expenditure, right? So you, even if it's small, right, you, you would be paying, you know, 10 bucks a month or whatever it costs to use one of those apps, but you also have to integrate that to your, I guess your like checking account, your credit card and all that stuff. So it's not necessarily going to be hard, but whenever you're integrating like different, um, you know, systems together, issues can arise. So I know when I was trying to link up, you know, a couple of the accounts, I had a little bit of trouble sometimes, or I had to, you know, send in a uh, request to, you know, hook them up, or I, I don't remember exactly, but the whole point is keep things simple. You can always make it more complicated later, but um, as you're getting started, don't try to like automate everything all at once. Like there's some value, I believe, to do things manually so you see what's going on. Like if you're trying to automate things before you understand how the, everything works together, then you may end up, um, you know, setting things up in a way that isn't awesome, right? So maybe you're, you're thinking, hey, I'm going to save time by automating. And at the end of the day, it actually isn't as good as you thought it was going to be because you didn't have all the information like when you set things up. So I think that covers it. Let me know um, if you like these sort of like very in the weeds episodes. I think we've beat, we've beat this one into the ground a little bit. And I don't know if I want to talk about any more bookkeeping or accounting stuff. I, I don't even know what else I would talk about since I'm obviously um, barely functional. <laughs> like I, I can do what I need to do, but I, I don't know how to help anybody else specifically. But yeah, let me know if you like these sort of behind the scenes, like really deep in the details um, kind of topics. By the way, if you also want to be featured, you can send an email to feedback at doug.show. You can ask me a question there. And we've been getting in some great voicemails as well. There's a voicemail number in the show notes. So you can leave a voicemail. It's ideal to be around 90 seconds. I highly recommend you write out your question, what you want to ask, the context and stuff like that. Read it out loud, time yourself, make sure it's around that 90 second mark. Um, there's a three uh, minute limit. So if you go over three minutes, it'll cut you off in the middle. And uh, then you'll be a little frustrated, probably a little confused about what you should do next. So time yourself, write it out. And then um, it's okay if it sounds like you're reading it, but um, chances are you'll be able to, you know, do a really good job since you're planning ahead. So thanks for listening to the show and um, we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Doug Show. I really do appreciate it. I mean, I'm just sitting here on my computer recording stuff and uh, you're listening to it. And I think that's awesome. If you enjoy the show and you know someone who maybe would be interested in it, please let them know. I think it would be fantastic if you help spread the word. 
If you are not signed up for the Niche Site Project email list, well, you're in luck. All you have to do is go to nichesiteproject.com, click the green button, enter your name and email address, and I'll send you a bunch of cool stuff about affiliate marketing, productivity, including all my templates. If you happen to not be subscribed to this podcast, please do subscribe and don't forget, I welcome your questions. So you could send uh, your emails to feedback at doug.show. I got that really cool domain, doug.show, that's it. So feedback at doug.show. Or I'm going to leave my voicemail number in the show notes. So all you have to do is give me a buzz, leave a voicemail, and then I'll potentially put you on the air. So looking forward to it and we'll catch you next time.